Wonderful. I want to just do a one-off um, one topic today that you see behind us. Beware of the yeast. These are words of Jesus. I'm not talking about bread making today, although this is a great analogy, this whole thing about yeast. Some of us two years ago did the Daniel fast. Who was a part of that? Just give us a cheer and a wave. Um, there, there, were, there were lots of sacrifices we made with the Daniel fast. Uh, we gave up meat. Um, we gave up sugar. That's hard to give up, isn't it? It's in everything. And um, we gave up rising agents or yeast. And I, I absolutely um, just love bread. I love bread. Like, I don't need to... Um, to have anything on bread, to enjoy it. I'm, I, I don't need to have butter or... Um, let me get this mic right for you. I don't need to have butter or jam or anything. Just bread. <laughs> Buy a fresh loaf of bread. Rip the top off and stick your hand in it and scoop it out. <laughs> it is amazing. And that aroma of bread when you go into a baker's or you go into a supermarket, it's just amazing. So the Daniel fast... One of the big, big sacrifices was giving up bread. We were making flatbreads out of sweet potatoes. And uh, we were eating all sorts of unusual breads just to try and um, keep some semblance of normality. But yeast, that rising agent that's really important to bread, is something that Jesus addresses, but not around the stuff we put in our bread, but around the stuff that can get into our souls. And we read that when the Israelites were rescued out of Egypt, they had to make unleavened bread, bread that was without yeast. Yeast is often a picture of sin in the scripture and how we are to live free from that. But there's something that we're about to look at where Jesus warns us to beware of the power of of yeast. And we're going to look at what this means together. If you've got a Bible, you might want to turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 8. Um, if you've not got a Bible, the words will appear on the screen. And we're going to take it from verse 11. And I'm just going to take you through a few verses this morning. It says this in verse 11. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and they started to argue with him testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. They demanded a miraculous sign. They'd seen lots of them. There were lots of very special things that had taken place around the life of Jesus that there were many miracles that preceded this. There were many things that Jesus had done but they were testing him, and they demanded. You remember Jesus said when he was being tempted in the wilderness, do not test the Lord your God. You know, we have to be really careful that in all of the wonders and the miracles and the joys that we've experienced in pursuing Jesus, that we don't make the next need we have as the deal breaker as to whether we follow him or not. You know, all those times he's been faithful, all those times he's provided, all of those times he's brought breakthrough, and I've met people time and time again. They're like, oh, but what about this need? God, meet this one now. And if you don't, then I'm going to give up on you. And of course, I understand 
what's going on. I understand that there's a need that's really present right now. And the Lord loves us and he cares for us and he's with us and not, he's not against us, he's for us. But the realities of, from a cynical heart saying, give us a sign, God. I worked with an evangelist for quite a number of years and we would see many miracles happen. I've seen some beautiful things take place in my life. But I've also seen people walk into those meetings and um, they don't know Jesus. They get prayed for. A miracle happens physically. They leave the meeting and they never give Jesus another thought again. I've seen that happen. Sometimes signs don't, de- don't land the deal in our hearts. Because if your heart is hard... If your heart is resistant, it doesn't matter whether the heavens and the earth shake. You're going to fight against it. And that's what Jesus encountered here with these Pharisees. They were demanding a sign, but they were really testing him. And look what Jesus did. When he heard this, he sighed deeply. Could you act out a moment what a deep sigh would be like? I only heard a few people do that. Let's do that. After three, one, two, three, deep sigh. Can you imagine if we provoked that sound from Jesus? Behold, I stand at the door and I sigh deeply. What a what a, a tragedy. What a what a missed opportunity. That here you are with the king of glory and you cause him to sigh deeply. There was something here where he loved these people. It wasn't, get out of my way. It wasn't, you're horrible. It was, it was compassion. It was a desire that they would know the truth. But also a deep frustration that their hearts were so sealed that they wouldn't hear anything. So he sighed deeply. And then he said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. Oh, come on, Jesus. You can do it. Give them a sign. Come on, Jesus. Do a miracle. Come on, we know you've we know you've healed blind eyes. We know that you've healed lepers. Come on, just one more, Jesus. But he sighs. And he says, I will not give this generation any such sign. So he got back into his boat and he left them and he crossed to the other side of the lake. If in your heart you are inclined to test God. If the strength of your relationship with God depends on the last miracle that you experienced, then the ability to shake your life is going to be beyond God's design for you. God is looking for pillars, people who will be strong, people who will not be shaken. And the world is shaken right now. The world is shaken probably in a greater way than it has during my 25 years of living on this world. 
plus a few extra years. <laughs> Things are shaking all over the place. We've just come out of two years of pandemic. Think, wow, okay, we're just emerging from that now. And, and there are signs again that it's rising in some parts of the world. And then we've got Putin invading Ukraine and all of the anxiety and the concern and the devastation we're seeing. And the world is shaking like crazy. There are other things taking place in the world. And God is not looking for a church that will wake up in the morning and say, is today a good day? If it is, I'm going to live for you. But if it's not, I'm going to crumble. God is looking for his people to say, Whatever shakes around me, it will not shake within me because my feet are firmly planted upon a rock that is immovable, unshakable, indestructible. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is my refuge and my strength. He is my very present help. He is my shield, my rampart. He is my protector. He is the lover of my soul and it will never, ever fade or go away. He is my strength and my shield, my portion, my life, my joy, my peace, my hope, my, my righteousness. He is all of those things. And Jesus got back into his boat and he went away from those cynics, those Pharisees whose hearts were locked. And it says in verse 14, but the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. These were an unforgetful bunch, weren't they? You know, there seems to be so many times they forgot provisions. They forgot to plan. And they forgot any food. I wouldn't give these guys a catering job. But it said they had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And as they were crossing the lake... Jesus warned them, and this is the theme, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod, beware, be vigilant, be mindful, be discerning, and be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. I, I've met some Pharisees, not religious um, Pharisees that might attribute themselves with that name, but I've met some Pharisaical people. This, there's a common denominator about people who have a Pharisaical spirit about them. And that is, let me give you an example. I've seen people post on social media some beautiful affirming message and someone leaves in the comments, you spelt the word wrong. It's a bit like I'm there in the worship and I can't help but notice that one like is not symmetrical. And today we've got labels for that. Might be, Mark, you're a little bit OCD. Mark, you know, it doesn't really matter. But it bugs me. Because there's a bit of a Pharisee in me. 
So I thought when I get on the scissors, I'm going to straighten that. Because it doesn't matter. Who cares? But it's amazing how much of a battle you go through to get to a place to say, it doesn't matter. And Jesus is warning these people about the yeast of the Pharisees. And they're all holding a loaf of bread. And they're trying to work out what Jesus meant by this. It says, as they began at this, at the words of Jesus about watching out for the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod, it says, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Jesus was teaching them an eternal kingdom message, and they thought he was talking about a meal deal from Tesco. They thought he was talking about bread. They thought he was talking about the loaf that they had in the boat. They thought he was addressing their forgetfulness. Because that's what the yeast of the Pharisees does. It gets us to redact things down to smallness. To reduce things down when he's teaching us about his eternal kingdom and power. And all we hear is about bread. Jesus knew what they were arguing about. It said, why are you arguing about having no bread? Don't you know or understand even yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? And this is interesting. Jesus begins to teach them exactly what he's warning them against by using another illustration about two occasions he did something unusual with bread. He said, don't you remember anything at all when I fed the 5,000, it was 5,000 men plus women and children, with five loaves of bread? How many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? Twelve, they said. It's nice to know they remember some things. And then Jesus goes on to say, and when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. Don't you understand yet? He asked them. What? What are you talking about, Jesus? Bread, yeast, understanding, eyes, ears. What's going on? Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Beware of those things that want to redact things down yeah. to its lowest, simplest, common denominator. If you were a mathematician and you were trying to create a formula out of five loaves, miraculously feeding 5,000, and seven loaves, miraculously feeding... 7,000? No, it's not 7,000, it's 4,000. You see, what we're always wanting to do is to create a formula that tries to analyze and understand God and reduce him down to our level, to bring him to our place of understanding. There's whole industries on this. 
There are conferences all over the world that pastors, we run to and we flock to, to hear someone give us the formula about how we serve Jesus best and how we build his church. There are books, I read loads of them, about the silver bullets of ministry. How do we see the kingdom of God sweep into our communities? And we try to find formulas. How do you do it? How do they stack up? How does it happen? What's the formula, Jesus? And there's something in us, that yeast of the Pharisees that wants to bring it to a place of something we understand and hold in our hands, something that's small, something that redacts it down to what we can see with our physical eyes and hear with our physical ears. And Jesus says, no, you brought five loaves to me. I blessed it, I broke it, you handed it round, and it fed thousands. Not only did it feed thousands, but there were 12 baskets left over. He's not just the God of provision. He's the God who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, above all we can ask, think, or imagine. But the thing is, we always want to redact it down. Because the spirit of the Pharisee, the yeast of the Pharisee, is prevalent and alive in the church today. See, God is no less a God of the miraculous today than he was in the 1904 revival. Or among the great awakenings. I've just been reading about George Whitfield again in the 1700s and some of the miracles he, he saw. He preached in a field where conservative estimates are there were 30,000 people gathered. He had no PA or amplification and everyone heard his voice. Miracle after miracle took place. We're hearing stories of YWAM in Ukraine that are praying over small amounts of food and they serve in hundreds as the Lord is multiplying the food. God is a God of the miraculous today. But the yeast of the Pharisee wants to redact it down to a loaf of bread. What resources do we have? What can we do with the little we have? And the use of the Pharisees will stop any of us stepping into the purposes of God. And Jesus was teaching them, listen, when you were with the 5,000 and you saw that miracle happen, was it you made that happen? Was it the bread made it happen? No, he who has ears to hear and eyes to see, see that there's another level there's a kingdom level. We lift up our eyes to the hills. Where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, not the bread in our hands, not the silver bullets of our conferences, but the greatness and the power of God. See, we sometimes feel inadequate in our prayers. Right now, we're praying for this horrendous situation that we see unfolding in the Ukraine. And it feels like I can't do anything, but maybe I can pray. Like as if it's a really poor bit of change in our pockets. And the scripture says, the prayer of righteous people availeth much. Changes nations. It changes hearts. It transforms communities. But we look for the silver bullets. 
Oh, I know what we'll do. If we get five loaves and we need 5,000, we'll just pray and it will happen. But they didn't even come to that place because they were thinking, we don't have enough food for 12 of us. We've only got a loaf of bread. How short were their memories? Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. It's infiltrated you, church. It's infiltrated you, disciples. It's infiltrated your thinking and your desires. It's infiltrated your vision and your hearing. It's infiltrated you. And it's really everywhere. Yeast is everywhere. We live in a secular world, and I, and I, and I really like that Jesus particularly highlighted not just the yeast of the Pharisees, but of Herod. Because it isn't just a religious spirit, it's a secular spirit. Everywhere, it feels like if you come out of the closet and say, I'm trusting Jesus. You want to see some of the comments we get on Facebook sometimes about some of our adventures. And you want to hear some of the, the awful things that people say. And if you let any of that get in your spirit, if you let any of that yeast get in, you'll go back to looking after a loaf of bread. And Jesus is saying, as the world shakes, his people need to be free of yeast. We need to be free of cynicism. We need to be free of criticism. These are the languages of the pharisaical yeast where we speak against the life of something, where we critique and stand in the way, where we bring down, where we hem in and hold people rather than the voice of the kingdom which says, hey, what I could do with a loaf is nothing too difficult for you. He who has ears to hear and eyes to see Jesus said, when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets were left over? Seven, they said. And look at his answer. Don't you understand yet? Church, don't we understand? This is not about us gathering on Sundays and about having some nice times of worship and coming around some encouraging words of Scripture. This is about us being people who are in the world but not of the world. This is about us being now under the kingship of Jesus and he's our ruler and our guide. Yes. And if you're holding on to your life, if you're holding on to your careers, if you're holding on to your possessions, if you're holding on to the things of your heart and you're saying, well, this is mine and I'll give Jesus a little bit, then I'm sorry, Jesus is not your king. You've made your own religion up. You've made your own pharisaical religion. Jesus is looking right now for people who will say, he is my Lord, my King, my Savior, my guide, my ruler. Amen. He's the hope of my heart. Amen. You know, I believe the day is coming. I don't think this shaking is going to be short, church. I don't think... We're going to find that in a few weeks this all settles down. I think the world is being shaken right now. Expect the shaking to, to increase. 
Like, I doubled the value of my car this week just by filling a tank up with petrol. Energy prices are about to skyrocket. And if any of you are concerned about those things, then can I encourage you to do two things? Pray about them and then come and see us if we can help. This is what church does, isn't it? We stand together. We care for each other. We love each other. We stand together. And we, but I think a day is coming when we're not going to have anything in our pockets to give for the need. And we're going to have to say, God, as I put my hand in my pocket, I pray there'll be a miracle in there. And that's the day that God's preparing his church for. And it's not just about us becoming slightly better, more righteous people. It's about us being militant against the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of secularism in our life. Because right now, the world needs the church to know that God is our source and our provider, and he is our life and our joy and our wonder. And the people of this world, they need to see a church not just being good and doing good in communities. They need to see us standing up strong and bold and courageous. You know, Jesus said, there will be wars and rumors of wars, but do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. Of course, We're impacted. We're affected. It changes much around us, and it changes things within us. But don't be alarmed, because this world is not our provider. He is our provision. And there's going to be tests in all of our hearts and lives about how much we trust God. And as we draw this to a close this morning, Jesus said, do you not see? Do you not hear? These two parts of our life that as children of God, where our spirit has been made alive with Christ, we know that we still see physically It's important that we see physically. If you've driven a car here this morning, it's important that you don't just see in the spirit. It's important that you see the road in front of you. It's important that we're not ignorant of what's taking place around us in the world. It's important that we understand and we see, but it's important also that God's people see another realm, see another world, because this is not a battle against Russia and Ukraine. There is, there is a battle taking place in the heavenly realms. In Ephesians it says, we wrestle not against Putin. We wrestle not against other nations or flesh and blood. But we wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And those spiritual forces of evil are actually manipulating the hand of Putin right now. And stirring up the nations. Stirring up wars. Stirring up a shaking in the nations. And in the middle of a shaking, God's people, we're called to stand strong. But we can only stand strong when we see, not just with our physical. Because if we do that, all we see is the loaf of bread. But to see in the spirit. Some here, you haven't prayed all week. You haven't even had a minute of speaking with the Lord. And I don't say that, I don't believe the Spirit of God points that out to embarrass us. 
But if what I'm saying is true, if what I'm saying is real, then surely, surely the inclination of our heart is to, is to mine the depths of this revelation, to see in the Spirit. You say, well, that's the pastor's job, that's the church leaders. No, it's followers of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus that's been appointed to be a, a leader of a church, but we're all appointed by Jesus. We're a team. Thinking that, well, other people will be the faith people. Sounds like the yeast of the Pharisees to me. That sounds like you sitting there with your loaf of bread while the enemy is keeping you pinned down to that. And all the time, Jesus is saying, do you not understand? Do you not understand? It needs to be a revolution in our hearts, guys. A revolution in our homes. A revolution in our lives. And it doesn't come from working and earning. It comes from surrender. And it comes from our hearts opening up and saying, you have my heart, my life, my all. What does that old hymn say? When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count by loss, poor contempt, and all my pride. And what's that line that says, I give him my all, everything. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. This is a pause moment. Because there is deliverance from the east of the Pharisees that needs to happen in all of our hearts. Spirit of God is wanting to purge it out of our lives because its presence stops us from living in what God says we can live in. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon us. Have mercy that we would redact down the mysteries of the kingdom into a loaf of bread. Have mercy upon us that we would allow the small critiques to hinder the big miracles. Have mercy upon us that we would be and seek to be formulaic rather than relational.
wonder if one of the musicians that might know that when I survey the wondrous cross could come and join me on the stage. If no one knows it, I'm happy to jump on the keys, but come and join me. Everyone, can we stand? do not hear with your ears wonder if we could just before we sing this maybe just touch our eyes with our fingers say something along the lines of Jesus we ask that we will see not just the loaf of bread but we would see the kingdom of God that we would see the wonders and the beauty of the possibilities of eternity. We'd see beyond the things we hold in our hands and we'd see kingdom possibilities. We'd see beyond the shaking and we'd see strength. We'd see beyond the evil and we'd see healing and restoration and righteousness. We'd see beyond the mixed identities that people have in today's world and we'd see the hearts. Oh God, have mercy upon us. We know there's realities beyond those things which our physical eyes see, but so often we struggle to step outside of the things of this world. Lord, I pray there will be no yeast of Pharisees in our eyes, no yeast of secularism in our eyes, but I pray we would see you and your glory and your kingdom and your wonder and your power and your majesty and your might and your greatness, oh God. May we see you high and lifted up. May the train of your robe fill these temples, O oh God. Maybe you could just gently put your fingers on your ears. Some of you have heard some deeply, deeply offensive, pharisaical yeast in your journey. And it's affected you. Oh Lord, come and heal. Heal every heart from those words, oh God, that have sunk deep into our souls. Those words of inadequacy, those words of failure, those words of disappointment. we just renounce their power over our lives and we declare if anyone is in Christ they're a new creation and the old has gone and the new has come and Lord we pray that we would hear the voice of, the, of our Saviour we would hear the things of the kingdom Lord we would hear the voice of you louder than we hear the voice of news channels we would hear the voice of God louder than we would hear the voice of our critics we would hear the voice of you louder than the sounds of secularism around us, O oh God. Lord, may our ears hear you clearly. You say in your word that my sheep hear my voice. Lord, may we be clear in our hearing of you. 
mercy on our eyes and our ears, oh God. 